heroes. Highlights and hardships with Triple M's Rush Hour. Welcome back to the Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell. We're doing the Three H's podcast, The Hero, Hardship and Highlight with so many wonderful guests. And we've got an ex-teammate of yours, Del, in the house, Sterling Mortlock. Welcome to the Three H's. How are you? Oh, I'd, I'd prefer to be called Triple H's. But okay. Three H's is good. Welcome but to I, the I, Triple H. I'm happy to be here, fellas. Let's, um, let's start the ball rolling with your hero. Hero, uh, easy for me. The one, the only 23 Michael Jordan. Okay. MJ, I actually, when I was at school in sort of, uh, I'm going to say around about year 10, that sort of age, 15 or so, uh, love rugby, but love basky. Gravita. Gravita absolutely, love basketball, love, yeah. absolutely love basketball. Uh, MJ was the king of all kings back in that era. You know, we've seen the docuseries recently. He did throw his mates under the bus, though, early days oh, with that. Mate, <laughs> yeah, but what I loved about him The was, cocaine party and stuff, you know. He's just so ruthless and he didn't always make the three-pointer or make the, the clutch mm. shot. Mm. But more often than not, he stepped up and, and, wanted, and, and, and he wanted it. Mm. And to me, uh, I tried to embody some of that. I was nowhere near that. But I loved the fact that any time, clutch moment, MJ was the man who stepped up. And more often than not, because he worked his absolute backside off, he was the right person to do it. And he transcended that sport. Now... Very few people that can ever do that, right? Mm, but, yeah. but but just loved everything about him. Ultimate competitive beast, much oh, like yourself, though. Dirty. Like in terms it, of that sort was... of competitiveness, did you sort of mimic a little bit of that? I tried to. Um, I was actually bad. Like uh, Big Dell knows this. I, I, I used to sweat a lot. So if we, we if there was a ping pong table in the in the team room, <laughs> I'd be full on doing a ping pong erg, bloody <laughs> yeah. sweating dripping off me. Then Quite people were like people were like Snorky. Yeah, we had a test to play or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay. You know what? I got to stop putting myself in that position, <laughs> stop playing to even start with because otherwise I'll get too competitive. But I sort of actually practically manage that, mate, just to take myself <laughs> out of that scenario. But that's the good thing about you too. Like playing with you, you, you need leaders. And we had, you know, George Smith, We had, he didn't want to be a leader, but, he, you know, obviously led on the field. Had Stephen Larkham and George Greig and Todd O'Keffer and these guys. But you had Sterling Mortlock who led the way, you know, in the fitness and stuff and competing in. And it's funny because, you know, you can be quite introverted, but when you're on, there's no one more competitive. And me and Lottie used to have a joke with Sal, and he, you know, he'd speak a little bit of third person, oh, the snork's on today. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> and it was Absolutely. Great. I learned from the best, Big Dilly. Oh, come on, yeah. mate. Come on, mate. But that's what I, I was like playing against big outside backs. And, um, you know, I remember playing against Waratahs, Brumbies, and we used to have this plan, and, and then I'd go, oh, mate, let's go at Mortlock because he'll oh, because Sterlo, he will go at it, but I can take him. And you, you got me a couple of times too, but we used to have that little good oh, yeah. banter. Yeah, that's know? your five man. That's yeah. your five man stock play, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. I remember your ribs. Remember that? Too. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. They, they did. Yeah, I, got him, yeah. I got him good. But, yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, but it, but it was great in a culture. And you talk about heroes, but like even with your family and that you you love your basketball, mate. Obviously, very good athlete. You're obviously a bit of a thinker too, like off the uh, away from the training field. And that's what I enjoyed about rugby. Have you always been that way inclined? Yeah, I, I think I have, um, but I, but I guess I was really lucky. I went to the Brumbies. Now the Brumbies was just an amazing culture, and in particular, like I, I say this to a lot of people now, um, there were there was a lot of things going on there. But what I felt was the absolute power of and the thing that delineated the Brumbies from everyone else was we, we were innovator of rugby globally. So we're doing things no one was even thinking of, mm. and, and a simple example of that might have been. Uh, I'm going to say around about 2000 or somewhere like that, back in the day where mm. you still did a place kickoff to start the game. 
Now, Rafi, I remember in the pre-season or the off-season, we were looking into the rules and, and, and by, by then we were using not sand, we were using uh, cones. And then Rafi said, there's no law against how high that cone can be. And so we're like, well, let's just get a, a big, crazy, almost um, <laughs> street, you know, a street up, yeah. cone yeah. and just cut a, cut a hole in it. And we almost did that, right? First game, Rafi left footer puts this mad towering kickoff from a place kick off a really high cone, high tee. Yours truly, because I was an Aaron North. Of course you were, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you know the big deal. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I catch it. I catch it. Yeah. And then bang, I get over the like, – I was on the 22, get tackled around 15 metres out off the kickoff, right? Big Owen Finugan. No one can stop him from 15 out. Yeah. Bang, he scores. Off the kickoff. Job's done, baby. That was the start of the game, right? <laughs> I told you. And, How good's the energy? I told and, you. And, 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 and that was that was just a, a, just one little example of doing Change something game, that no one else yeah. was doing. Within a month from that, every single team was doing that, right? Yeah. But the Brumbies had a DNA yeah. of even there'd be an earlier session in the week, which wasn't so uh, taxing, you know, physically because you're recovering, right? Well, let's try some things. Yeah. Totally innovating. Now I look at rugby right now, and we're following, like yeah. Yeah. totally. Yeah. And to me, the Brums are getting back to that scenario. Uh, Bernie's the coach. He knows that that was part of the DNA. Mm. And, you know, I've had good, good conversations with Bernie about what he's trying to do. So, you know, I, I look back and it's, it's funny how it is, but it was, it was a pretty cool environment to be part of. And then when you go in that environment, big deal, it's about bringing ideas. It's about yeah. not, it's, you know, it's about asking questions, right? The, the, the only bad question is the one not asked, right? So you, you, in that environment, you can't help but be, be inquisitive, challenge things. And there's no issue with that. But eventually, when we have good debate, hopefully back, back it up with a bit of uh, data and evidence, yep. right? We make a decision, we go yep. and have a crack. And that environment's awesome. And I guess I didn't realize at the time, but that was amazing. And I guess I've always sort of taken that on, on uh, post-career, right? Into, when was that, into real world. When world. was that first moment that you got a chance to, to represent the Wallabies? What was that moment like in getting a call? It was really weird because uh, I actually toured in 97 and I was – playing club footy, hadn't even played professionally on anything. Um, and then I actually took me three years from 97 on my oh, touring wow. to actually get my test test um, jersey. So um, you're immersed in the, col- like the yeah, culture, you yeah, see what so it's like and then had to had to wait. It was crazy. So I, I actually, my first time going to Wallaby Camp down in Wollongong, I was in 1997, I hadn't met Eelsey, Roffey, wow. Griggs, Bernie, all these people were on the TV. Yeah. Right, I was playing club footy for Gordon. And got the phone call, man. Rod McQueen called me. It was back in the days when I had the, the Nokia brick. Yeah, of course. Of course, we've all had that, <laughs> no, mate. You know, the I was, shoe phone. I was, I was flying. I was at university with a brick. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and then Rod McQueen called. And I literally, he's like, G'day, Sterling, it's Rod McQueen. And I, I was like, who's this? And I, I asked him about three times. And eventually, mate, there's a tour coming up. And he, you know, yeah. and, he, and he picked me. I was just, I was, I was bouncing. Well, you saw me. Of course, you yeah. saw me with a mellow do- yeah. big deal, but I was uh, after the call. Literally, I rang up my mates. I rang up my parents. My parents just said, "Right, party at our house tonight." Amazing. Yeah. So we had a massive party. But then meeting them for the first time, Eelsie greeted me. He was the captain. That was his first tour as captain, ninety-seven. Um, meeting him for the first time, and you know he's a giant of a man. Yeah, he's gentle giant too, and everything. It was just phenomenal. That whole that tour was just crazy, right? And then by the time I actually got my test cap in 2000, I'd sat on the bench in 98, oh, wow. got injured in 99 for the World Cup year. Like I was, oh, I was 23rd wow. man, got injured, and it just wasn't my time. That's all I say. I didn't know that. And then uh, by 2000, I had a big Super Rugby year, and I was like, oh, "You guys are on fire." I don't, yeah. I, I don't care what what's going on. If I get picked, 
I'm going to go hard. Bust the door down. And um, that's sort of what happened. It was awesome. It was a great – in 2000, you know, we were world champions. I'd come into a team um, that had that confidence and I was on the wing. Phil, mm. you play on the wing. Yeah, yeah. Wing's yeah. full of softies, mate. <laughs> you know, you just sit out there and cherry pick and get all the tries and all the accolades. You do no hard work. Oh, it was so that, much fun, mate. That's what we try to say to him. Then he goes, just run at me there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would that be your highlight in terms of getting selected for the Wallabies and so forth? In in terms of getting back to this three H's which you wanted us to talk about. Highlight it's, of my career. Yeah, I, I, I think I I had I had a number that were really awesome to be part of. But I, I think everyone and I was actually doing an interview this with a, our, our friends across the Dutch. Um, every freaking Kiwi that ever meets me talks about the 03 intercept. In the oh, semi-final. yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, great. Thanks, Carlos. Um, One yeah, of the best passes lo- you ever hit. Yeah, he right, the bread basket. Oh, he yeah, read it, he read it. Did you chase him all the way? Yeah, Were you I the next man there? I knew once he caught it, he was off. I was, I was just celebrating. <laughs> I think I was sledging the Kiwi boys too at that stage. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I – like, but that's a, that's, a, that's a moment everyone remembers. Mm. Mm. But I, I, I think in a what way um, we lost the World Cup the following week um, in overtime against England. But that to be part of a home World Cup mm. – I still hold that up in really high regard and, and, mm. and to have a moment that everyone remembers mm. for a long time. It's brilliant. Were it's you awesome. on side? Yes, he Absolutely. was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Have you gone back I'd... and looked at the tape? Yeah, so I suppose yeah, that's what the yeah, Kiwis well, have done, well, right? At, at, at any function when I'm ever in New Zealand, I'll make sure I say this. My first thing that went into my mind when I got it is the referee might blame me for it being offside. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, I told you, I told you. <laughs> and, and then um, – Really what happened, the next thing that went in my head was Joe Rockothoko mm. and Dougie Hallett, the two fastest guys in world rugby after Dell. Um, yeah, nah. they, they were quick. They're going to catch me. And if they catch me, I'm going to look like an absolute idiot. Yeah. But so, the, th- yeah, but the um, thing was too, when Carlos pulled the trigger there, you know he's going for the big play. He wasn't going for the short ball. Nah. He was going to go all in. He knew that. Mate, one of the best defensive centers, all-round centers. But so once he read that, because if you looked at it, he had so much time, Carlos Spencer, probably too much time. And he's so good. Once he threw it, he just went bang. And then when he was running, I was going. They got nowhere near you, did they? No. If you was, look, if no, you look, it was at quick, it, mate. Were you looking like, up at the big because oh, the big screen was there yeah. at out at, at, at uh, yeah. Homebush? Yeah. Were you looking at yourself to see how close they were coming to get you? No, I, I was. No, not Pindies, the modern man. folk. The modern folk do that all the time. Even those F one drivers seem to do it while they're driving. Yeah, for, they do. Two hundred and fifty k's an hour. <laughs> but um, I I didn't. Uh, I tell you what, I did do. After I got to about to the the twenty two, yeah. and I did a quick peek over my shoulder. I can't remember which one. Yeah. And that those two boys were nowhere. No, they were in my dust. Yeah. And then literally, <laughs> I, I literally yelled out like, "Woo!" Yeah, like it was great. <laughs> and you can't even tell, but I'm because the crowd's going absolutely crazy, bonkers. And then as as I did, like, so the week before, I actually scored the first try in the in the yeah. quarter. So I did a mad swanee, right? And and Martin Raftery came on and said, "Mate, if you do that again, Eddie Eddie's going to pull you off." Well, oh, half, you know, half your luck. Half your luck. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, is that right? Well, I'll tell you what, tell Eddie, my shot, because I come back from a shoulder reconstruction, right? And that was the whole reason Martin was trying to get me to tighten, tighten everything up. Yeah. So anyway, I've got that that runaway try and I, I had the chance to think and I'm like, I'm definitely sliding. So I slid and by the time I got up, Big Deli oh, and LT, you bang, up. baby. Yeah, we're in there, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was awesome. uh, mate. It was like it was an Oreo, mate. Oreo special. <laughs> what about? I mean, over a long career, there's so many twists and turns. Any hardships that come to mind for you? Well, it might be away from the the sporting field. What's been something that you've had to delve with? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I had a number of things. I actually had a had an operation, a shoulder reconstruction. So I had three shoulder reconstructions, but one of them, my first one, I woke up and um, 
the anaesthetist is there going, Sterling, Sterling, don't worry. There's nothing to worry about. And there's beep, 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 all these machines on me. And it turned out I had an irregular heartbeat in when I woke up from the operation. Oh, wow. And so then at that point in time, um, they said, you, you gotta, you gotta, your heart's no good. You can, you're never going to be able to play again. Oh, um, God. So that was, that was one that How I actually, old were you then? No, no, it was, it was after my first – it was in 2000 and, uh, 2001. Oh, well. So after the first yeah. year of playing Test, test 40, test football, got yeah. told that. Uh, so, but that, I went through that whole process. But I actually – from then on, it was, it was actually a warp thing really good for me. So I had to, at the time think, what happens if I never play again? Um, and I was actually comfortable with it. Um, but, but it turns out I got through all that and everything else. And so I, I think that was that, – that gave me a great lesson as far as when bad things happen – take a step back and say, okay, am I going to feed the good wolf or bad wolf in this scenario? Yeah. Where's the silver mm. lining? And how do I how do I de-risk that worst case scenario and go and focus on the best case scenario and come out? And that's what I managed to do every time I had an operation. But I think the hardest thing I ever went through was my back. I had a, a L5S1 disc bulge and I had massive wastage on my right side and I, you know, the the open up, I think it's open up, the Andre Agassi book. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he describes an early day, he was in hospital and he can't walk and everything or getting out of bed, mm. that's what I felt like. Oh, it yeah. was horrific. Mm. Um, Amazing. Yeah, that, I've given you two, but the actual back one was yeah. horrific. The, like, yeah. oh, the resilience required to, to push through and play elite sport, just phenomenal though. Yeah, I think you guys have all been through it. Um, yeah, what makes right. a, yeah, what makes elite? Yeah. elite you're right, mate. Yeah, Gus, yeah. you're all over this. <laughs> what, um, what makes elite, elite sport people elite is, I think, inherently within us, I think people, we're wired differently slightly because… Um, <laughs> I can guarantee that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, well, I know I am. Um, yeah. I almost haven't met, you know, people who aren't. But, but, but because the, the, the logic I'm getting to on this, so many times you, get, you don't get picked, you have an injury, you have something not go your way. And instead of you throwing in the towel, you actually turn it around and say, how can I be better from that? Mm. How, can I, how can I get through this obstacle? How can I get through the other side? And you constantly do that year in, year out. And um, yeah, that's what I think what makes the most elite athletes special. And in particular, when we talk about where do you go to after sport when you retire from sport, those attributes you still have. Exactly. Good on you, and you've got to tap into those for sure. One Thank of your you. favourites, isn't he, Gus? Oh, yeah, he mate. said this. I'm a mad Rumby fan yeah, as well, yeah, so, yeah, this yeah. is very special for me. Sterling, thank you so much for yeah. being on the Triple H uh, podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, lads. Yes, You're a good mate. man. Well done, Snorkel. The Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell.